would please turn to Luke chapter 11, starting chapter 11. As I was reading to you earlier from Mark chapter 8, we saw together that Jesus was teaching a spiritual lesson, and it was common at that point for his disciples to be um, deferring to physical things, worried about physical things. You know, you and I tend to do that. We do that. Uh, we live in a physical world, and, and our bodies yearn for practical things to survive. We yearn for things to enjoy. And unfortunately, that fallen part of our nature, that fallen part of our being, it, it fixates on things that are temporal, things that are going to be here today, gone tomorrow, things that pass away. Uh, so this is what happened with the disciples on the boat with Jesus. He's warning them about the dangerous influence of uh, the Pharisees. He, he called it the leaven of the Pharisees. And of course, hearing the, weir- the word leaven, uh, the disciples' stomach immediately began to growl. I-, I can just imagine one of them asking us, you know, have the Pharisees opened a bakery somewhere? What, where are they getting their leaven? It's all about the physical things. So Jesus found it necessary to firmly rebuke them. For in Mark 8, verse 15, it says that he was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. Of course, we probably all realize that that Jesus didn't give a whole lot of lessons throughout his ministry in the Gospels that we observe. Not a whole lot of lessons about how to bake bread, right? No, Jesus uses bread as a symbol. It's a symbol for spiritual nourishment. In John 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. In John 6, verse 51, he declares, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. And the people listening at that time complain. This is a difficult statement. Who can understand it, the people are saying. So Jesus responded himself, saying, It is the Spirit. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you, Jesus says, are spirit and are life. So again, Jesus is speaking spiritually about life. Those listening are thinking about the flesh, which profits nothing. So returning to the passage in Mark, Jesus asked his disciples, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear, says Jesus. You don't see, you don't hear. That's a pretty strong rebuke. And Jesus laments in this way because he's communicating to them on spiritual terms. They're not concerned with the spiritual things. They're concerned with the the things that are temporal, the physical things, their bodily yearnings, their hungers. So Jesus continued by reminding them how he fed the 5,000. And then after that, how he fed the 4,000. And essentially he asked them, why is everybody so concerned about bread? Why are you so worried about whether or not you have bread? They've been with him all this time. And he asked, do you not yet understand? Do you not yet understand? 
Obviously, access to physical bread is not your problem, Jesus is saying. Accessing spiritual bread is your problem, he tells his disciples. You need spiritual eyes, you need spiritual ears. And as I just quoted Jesus in John verse 6, he said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Well, Matthew, or the Gospel of Matthew, provides the conclusion to that controversy, that, that, that confrontation over the leaven. We find it in Matthew 16, verse 11, as Matthew records Jesus asking, How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not say to be aware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of Pharisees and Sadducees. What were, the, what were the disciples lacking? What were they missing? Why didn't they understand what Jesus was telling them? Well, it's because Jesus was speaking to them in spiritual terms. Therefore, the Holy Spirit was necessary to understand, to provide them understanding as to what Jesus is saying. The Holy Spirit gives life. The Holy Spirit must give us understanding to Christ's words. The Apostle Paul put it this way. I love this. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. Follow me. Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. Note again the reference to eyes and ears. And then what does Paul say next? Well, he says, for to us, God revealed them through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? Paul answers, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. See, see, the Holy Spirit is necessary to understand and receive the teaching of Scripture. Paul continues, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised or spiritually discerned, your translation might say. But he who is spiritual, Paul says, appraises all things or discerns all things. You see, it's, it's the Spirit who teaches us. It's, it's the Spirit who gives us understanding to the Word of God. We need spiritual discernment. Though we're permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit, though we are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, you look at Ephesians 1 verse 13 for that, Uh, we still need the Holy Spirit. We still need the Holy Spirit and His continual ministry of teaching us, providing us spiritual discernment to the Word of God. Um, I hate, hate to be the one to break this to you, but somebody had to do it sooner or later. When Paul writes that no eye has seen nor ear has heard all the wonderful things that God has prepared for those who love Him. He's not talking about heaven, folks. He's not talking about heaven. Heaven is not being described in that passage. Sorry to break that to your heart. 
what is being described is the spiritual life. The spiritual walk with God. No eye has seen, I'll read it again, no ear has heard all the wonderful things that God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. Notice the past tense. God has revealed it to us through His Spirit. Paul's not describing heaven, but the difference between what a natural man sees, a fleshly man, compared to what a spiritual man or woman understands and receives from God. The understanding that we get of Scripture. The passage refers entirely to spiritual discernment. Folks, it's a blessing that God reveals to us uh, the discernment that can only be supplied by the Spirit of God. No one else can provide us that understanding. The Holy Spirit has the ability to comfort us when life becomes unfair. The Holy Spirit teaches us that He reminds us that through God's Word that this isn't our home. God never says in His Word that life is going to be fair. So the Holy Spirit teaches us. We should receive comfort for that. The, the Holy Spirit can prevent us from ruining, excuse me, ruining our health, our life, our marriages, our careers, by giving us the strength and wisdom to resist those things that will destroy those. Through the Word of God, we get the wisdom to resist the lust of the world that, that so easily entangle us and so easily and quickly ruin our lives. The Holy Spirit provides us with a contentedness, a, a sense of satisfaction with the seemingly little that we have. The seemingly little that we have when the neighbor across the street pulls in with a new Corvette. The seemingly little that we have. God's Spirit prompts us at that time in thankfulness for all the abundance that we have as compared to the majority of the world. And and those just describe a few of the things. A few of the simple blessings experienced through the spiritual life. The spiritual life. We enjoy the blessing of spiritual discernment, as the Spirit teaches us. Consequently, folks, the fruit of the Spirit, that which the Holy Spirit manifests in our life, what He produces in our life, that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, faithfulness, goodness. Against such things, there, there's no law, Right? There's no law. Actually, it says, Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. That's describing the fruit of the Spirit. Again, spiritual things. So the contentedness, the hope, the generosity, the the worship that we experience as Christians, it's wrought of the Spirit. If you're young folks, rot just means fashioned or shaped. You might have heard of a wrought iron fence. It is twisted and shaped for a particular purpose. The Holy Spirit is wrought in our lives, and it fashions us into the image of Christ. The fruit of that, the fruit of the Spirit, are all those things that we read early, earlier. So we're shaped by God. The Spirit shapes us to live a life pleasing to God, a spiritual life. Not, not a physical life. Not a physical life. So, when the barnacles build up, or when that outboard motor blows up, or when the hurricane comes and that neighbor's 40-foot yacht is flipped upside down in the marina, and he's dealing with hurricane insurance issues, 
we have peace. Why? Because we're not concerned with those things. We're not pursuing all of those things. Uh, The spiritual life is revealed to us by God through a manifestation of his spirit. You know, granted, all Christians have, have some spiritual discernment. All of us have some. We know that we are convicted of our sins. That is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. We, we are privy to the identity of Jesus Christ, who He is as the Son of God, the Redeemer, who shed His, His blood on the cross for our sins. We understand who Christ is. The Holy Spirit has regenerated our hearts that were dead, making them spiritually alive to God. So all of us have a, a certain level of spiritual discernment. But not all of us are enjoying the peace of a spiritual walk with God. Many of us aren't consistently experiencing those fruit of the Spirit, or those fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Most of us, maybe if we were honest, most of us are still walking through life physically, pursuing physical things rather than spiritual things. And and we're worried and distracted by a lot of things like eating bread. But folks, life is not about bread. And the spiritual life and the peace of God that accompanies it does not arrive through physical possessions nor lustful pleasures. Spiritual contentment is something it can't be purchased. It can't be downloaded through the internet. It doesn't come in a brown Amazon box. Folks, there's only one way to access access the spiritual realm so as to achieve that spiritual walk with God. And that is through prayer. That's the channel through prayer. And most of us here today may be saved. We might know Christ as our Savior. uh, But many may never enjoy the peace of a spiritual walk with God. Many of us will never enjoy the peace of a journey through this life that is spiritual. We'll only experience the heartaches of a physical life because that's what we daily pursue. A physical journey. The disciples observed that Jesus walked in the Spirit. They saw that He didn't fulfill the desires of the flesh. He passed through the physical world without acquiring for Himself any possessions. Jesus was God incarnate. That means, folks, that that He was God in human flesh, born of a virgin, a true man. So He did need sleep. He he did need stuff to eat, but as Satan tempted Jesus when he was hungry, Jesus replied, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So life is not about bread. It's not about bread. Jesus' disciples watched him as he walked in the Spirit. They noticed that he prayed. They noticed that he prayed consistently. They noticed that he prayed often. They, they listened as he told them repeatedly not to worry about what they would eat. Not to worry about what they would wear. We will hear Jesus declare in Luke chapter 12 later that life is more than food. And life in the body are more than clothing. And then in Luke 12 verse 29... Jesus says, do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink. 
and do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. But your Father knows that you need these things. Seek His kingdom first, and all these things will be added to you. And instead of seeking what to eat and seeking what to wear and being distracted by those things, Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to charity. Luke 12, verse 33. Folks, he wasn't joking. That that wasn't just an ideal situation. That's what Jesus is saying. Give to those who have needs. Share. Love. Show that God is working through the Spirit in your life. And observing all these passages, all these that we've cited so far, do you think that Jesus really invested a whole lot of time in prayer asking the Father for bread? Unlikely, folks. Unlikely. When they ate, Jesus always gave thanks to the Father for what the Father had provided. But when they prayed, Jesus... You, you look at his prayers, especially his high priestly prayers, that, that would be found in John chapter 17. He's not focusing on material things. He's not talking about bread. He wasn't talking about bread with the disciples on the boat. When he prayed, he focused on spiritual things. He prayed that God would be glorified through him. He prayed that Peter's faith would not fail. And he prayed for his disciples to have spiritual understanding. See, that they'd have eyes to see and that they would have ears to hear. That's the type of stuff that Jesus prayed for. He didn't pray for a lot of physical stuff. So in Luke 11, verses 1 to 13, Jesus is not teaching his disciples to pray for a lot of physical stuff. The Lord's Prayer and the supplemental instruction that follow in verses 5 through 13, folks, it's not about bread. It's not about bread. This is the second time that Jesus provides for them this this pattern of prayer. On on the first occasion, the prior occasion, which was earlier in his life, and, and in Matthew, during the Sermon of the Mount, he gave that pattern. And both times in that prayer, he mentions daily bread. But it's not about bread. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, similar to the disciples' who were hard of heart and lacked understanding, immediately we default to concern. Concern about an uninterrupted supply of bread, right? Even though Jesus repeatedly instructs us not to worry about such things, about what you will eat or about what you will wear. In the prayer, Jesus teaches us to focus on spiritual things. He speaks about the holiness of God's name, confession of our sins, forgiveness of our debtors and those who offend us. He tells us to pray for a rescue from temptation. In Matthew, Jesus adds that we are to pray for God's will to be accomplished. Yet like the disciples, we focus in right away on bread. Need more bread. Need more bread. We've only got one loaf of bread. I mean, he just fed 5,000 at one point and 4,000 at another point. Told us not to worry about bread. Told us not to worry about what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear. But we need bread. We need bread. Folks, for, for, for us here, few of us here, I'm not going to say it it's, includes everyone, but few of us here have ever had to consistently worry about our daily supply of bread. Think about that for a minute. I mean, I'm already thinking about where I'm going to eat after lunch. Few of us in this culture 
have had to worry about that. Think about it then. Why would anyone here need to daily ask God, give us this day our daily bread? How would that benefit us? There's so much bread in the United States, we don't even know what to do with it. And and the balance of our prayers, they often extend to, to how we'd like God to provide us more physical things. Greater raise at our job, new rims for the car, maybe some camping supplies. You know, more and more physical things. Stuff. But Jesus' instruction through verse 13, it doesn't teach us how to amass more bread. It's also not a formula for how to attain that expensive present in the store window that we lust after. It's not a method of how to achieve stuff that you want through repetitious and determined prayer. It's often taught as that, wrongly. Verse 9 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Boy, places get a lot of mileage out of those words. But that's not a process for acquiring items on your Christmas list. Verse 10 says, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. But none of this prayer focuses on filling materialistic yearnings or acquiring more stuff. And it's surely not about bread. This passage, folks, is Christ's pattern. And his prayer are entirely about how to attain spiritual nourishment so as to experience the fruit of the Spirit and enjoy the fruit of the Spirit spirit, as we journey through this dark and hurtful world. That's what the Lord's Prayer is about. A, A spiritual life doesn't hinge on the quantity or the quality of your possessions. Because Jesus says, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Our spiritual life doesn't hinge on these things. Our life hinges on spiritual things. And a spiritual life, that's about acquiring spiritual understanding that's only given by the Holy Spirit we already learned. The Holy Spirit provides that. Understanding and discernment provided only by God, bestowed by God through the conduit of prayer. That's where we get the discernment. God gives it to us. Folks, give us this day our daily bread is a petition to God asking Him to nourish us daily with discernment and understanding that only the Holy Spirit can provide. It's spiritual bread. It's spiritual nourishment. A Dr. Martin DeHaan, the founder of this ministry right here, He had a correct biblical understanding of the Lord's Prayer when he started this publication. Folks, the Word of God is your daily bread. The Holy Spirit provides understanding through prayer. Dr. DeHaan was a physician, and after suffering a very violent reaction to an injection, and he was hovering in critical condition, reports are, he uttered these words, about to die, Lord, spare my life, and I will serve you. God answered his prayer, and Dr. DeHaan followed through on his promise. A year later, he sold his medical practice, home, and office equipment, and went to join Western Theological Seminary in Holland, Michigan. 
The result was a ministry that prints a devotional that supplies daily nourishment and enrichment every single day. What is it called? Our daily bread. Essentially, folks, that, this, this is what this petition is all about. That's what this prayer is about. It's what verses 5 through 13 are about. It's about sitting at God's feet as we saw Mary last week, listening to Jesus, and, and then listening to the Word of God, and, and then as we pray, asking God for spiritual discernment and contentment, a spiritual walk through His Holy Spirit. And, and, and the Holy Spirit we need in order to give us eyes to see and ears to hear so that we can live like Jesus and walk through this life spiritually while we're in a physical world. Let me read to you now from beginning, with all of this now kind of in the back of our minds, let me read to you now beginning in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And Jesus said to him, here's the explanation now. Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come from, from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. And I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of the you, uh, one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? not about bread it's not about bread as i said last week a parable is an earthly illustration of a heavenly truth or of a spiritual truth these two parables the parable of the loaves and the one of the fish illustrate how the art of persistence is helpful in getting what you need (laughs) who in the real world doesn't know that It's the reason you nag the customer service agent when you've been overcharged, right? It's why you follow up after a job interview. Persistence yields results. Everybody knows that. Many of us have been taught since childhood that prayer is the way we get stuff that we want from God. So they pray for that train set. Maybe you'll get it on Christmas, and then we follow through and we give them the train set. Folks, we need to be careful about how we train up a child in the way he or she goes. 
because they won't depart from it when they're old. Then they'll end up over at the prosperity church who's teaching that very same thing. God's just here to give you what you want. That's not what this prayer is saying. God just wants them to live their best life now. No. Our better life is waiting for us in heaven. That's our best life. I I don't really see asking for material stuff in the pattern of Jesus' prayer life. He asked that we would be holy, that we would be sanctified in the word of truth, and that the wisdom of God, the, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension would be in our life. That doesn't come easy, folks. It doesn't come without prayer. Paul writes Ephesians 3, verse 19, he's asking that the love of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge, will be manifest in our lives. The love of Christ, the love that surpasses all knowledge. Folks, that doesn't occur overnight. And that only comes through prayer. Sanctification, it's a long process. It's a slow process. It doesn't occur overnight. And Jesus didn't come into the world that we could just merely increase in knowledge. It isn't just about knowledge, but that our hearts and minds would be transformed with the peace that surpasses all understanding. That requires spiritual discernment. That's what we are here for, spiritual discernment to serve Him. Consistent with Jesus' pattern then, His instruction in the Lord's Prayer is not about asking God for daily bread. It's about asking God for daily bread. The spiritual nourishment we need to consistently manifest the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Spirit. Peace, joy, patience, folks, that's, that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we really need. That's what we need. Our passage suggests God doesn't give the fruit of the Spirit to the spiritually lazy. Which is probably the reason so many Christians are suffering, just like the world. Impatient, unkind, unloving, without joy, void of self-control, continually just focused on acquiring more material stuff that Jesus didn't teach about. Not even bread. Folks, it doesn't mean that you don't bring all your requests to be made known to God. He wants to hear your prayers. But He knows what you need even before you ask Him. And the material lusts that so easily entangle us, they make us miserable, folks. They don't liberate us at all. We were created, or better, recreated to enjoy a spiritual relationship with God. It's a transformed life that is a result. Peace, patience, happiness. Do you have all of that that you want? Are you full to the brim with the fruit of the Spirit? Or would you like more of that? More, right Tom? More. It's only going to come through prayer. And the Scripture promises, for everyone who asks, receives. He who knocks, uh, or he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. That's quite a promise. You need your life changed? Even though you're a Christian, God is your Father. He's given us access to Him through prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. 
that song we were singing earlier. Woo! What wonderful, what wonderful lyrics in that song. Didn't know Gerald was going to play that one today. And I was just looking at it. I'm like, wow. Jesus says, um, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your own children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Ask. Pray. Sweet hour of prayer. We need the Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us. And he'll only direct our lives if we pursue a daily walk with him. That's why the passage isn't about bread. It's not going to happen without a prayer life. It is not going to happen. Um, It's not about bread. Folks, there's one other occasion when Jesus teaches a spiritual lesson while symbolically using physical bread. It was on the night in which he was betrayed and projecting towards the Lord's Supper, Jesus said in John 6, verse 54, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever.